This is episode number 235 with data science consultant Nick Ryan. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Australia. Today, I've got a data scientist who I'm talking with, who's from my home country, Australia, uh, Nick Ryan, lives literally four hours away from where I am right now in Bundaberg. And on this podcast, we had quite a casual chat about data science and his journey, his career. So what you need to know about Nick is that he's a data scientist, but he's an external data scientist, like a consultant that goes into businesses and does data science work. And at the same time, helps businesses with data strategy, with how they can use data on different projects and things like that. So he does a mix of things all relating to data. And actually he also does mentoring of uh, business employees to help them in data science. And what about love about Nick is if you go to his LinkedIn page, you'll see him surfing some waves in his background image. And that's what he's all about. His lifestyle is very relaxed, very laid back. He's built a life for himself where he can do data science remotely and occasionally go to visit his clients to help them out on site. So in this podcast, you'll learn how exactly he did that and perhaps some tips that you can apply to your own career to boost your success or maybe even build a similar lifestyle of remote work in data science. We talk about the whole notion of why data science is slowly uh, becoming more and more popular in terms of remote work. And also we talked about some of uh, the projects that he did. He shared a couple of examples uh, and we even talked about natural language processing. So you'll hear some of those uh, comments towards the end of the podcast. All in all, a very chilled, relaxed podcast. So get ready to explore the world of data science, consulting, and working remotely. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Super excited to have you back here on the show. And today we've got a very special guest. Nick Ryan calling in all the way from Bundaberg, Queensland, Australia. Nick, welcome to the show. How are you going? Very well, Kirill. And, uh, and yourself? Um, very well, too. It's exciting because, you know, very rarely it happens that not only we're in the same time zone, but we're actually in the same country, in the same state. We're like four hours away from each other right now. Yeah, and Australia's a big country, and so you're practically down the road at four, four hours <laughs> away. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, that, that is so exciting. So you're uh, on the beach in Bundaberg. How cool is that? On a well, Friday morning. Yeah, that's, yeah, um, yeah still, still some work to do. So, um, but no, it's uh, kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I, I grew up in, in Sydney and um, spent time on the Central Coast of New South Wales and bounced around between Sydney and Melbourne for work. But um, yeah, being able to sort of get the, um, 
the, the lifestyle here in, uh, in in Bundaberg, but also traveling to um, yeah, still Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane for work is kind of good. It's kind of like the best of both worlds. That's awesome. And, and I think that'll be a central topic for today's podcast. Um, the, the whole notion of doing data science remotely, of working uh, in data science for living the dream, fulfilling you know, your, the, require, the need to code and create stuff and do analysis, but being able to work out of the office. Um, I love your comments about that it's actually something that you know, the world of development has already started embracing and there's a lot of developers that work from, like, remotely from home and slowly data science is moving towards that. So I'm pretty pumped to talk about this on this uh, podcast episode. Yeah, and even for what um, I mean, you do with your business as well, having that uh, flexibility to. Um, you, you mentioned as well that you spend uh, you know some time in, in Brisbane, but you're also in other places as well, and being able to um, move around and meet people and and see new things, and being able to have like a real bird's eye view of the uh, the data science community and what's happening in different cities is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So so guys, listening to this, Nick mentioned at the start before the podcast that. He's got some questions for me as well. So I'm completely unprepared. We'll see how this goes. It'll be fun. Good. That's right. Yeah, yeah well, it's a great opportunity to hit you up with, uh, with, with questions. Because, yeah, as I said, I'm a big fan of the work that you, you're doing and um, the way that you've been able to democratize uh, the data science education to help people out in their journey. I think it's just awesome. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity to, Thanks, <laughs> to pick man. you up and find out what you guys are doing because it's, um, it's pretty exciting. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right. Well, we'll get to that. But... To get us started, to kick things off, tell us a bit about yourself. Like, where are you from and how did you get into data science? I, I, like, I, le- I read a little bit about your story and I think it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I grew up about, uh, say, an hour and a half away from Sydney. And so um, north of Sydney, in between Sydney and Newcastle in Australia. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I... I guess at school, I was pretty good at, at math, I was, uh, and I also played a lot of basketball. And so I always wanted to play basketball professionally. Mm-hmm. That was the dream, to go go to the States and play basketball. How tall are you? I'm six foot one. I was nowhere near tall enough. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that, that's one issue. But I wasn't good enough as well, Kirill. I think that's the critical issue. Oh. Like, you, you got like Muggsy Bogues or whatever at five foot three or something. He's able to do it, but I didn't have those skills. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that's a bit of a disappointment, a bit of a letdown. But uh, um, my my careers uh, advisor at school said, "Hey, there's this thing called actuarial studies, and you can do that at university." And so um, very, very that's, similar that's to basketball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> second second thing behind basketball, next best option. Well, yeah, next best option, and it's kind of funny as well here because um, yeah, I still play basketball a couple of times a week. My dad still plays basketball. Actually. Your daughters play basketball. My daughters, my dad, the whole family, everyone plays basketball. Um, my dad's 63, still playing wow. basketball. Um, awesome. So, but I'm still play a couple of times a week. Um, but yeah, more more for fun. But uh, a lot of the guys here actually um, are playing at a high level, and a couple of them have gone over to college um, in the states, which yeah. is pretty amazing from a small place like this. But anyway, I digress. So, um, <laughs> I um, I did actuarial studies, and um, I ended up uh, working. Uh, for insurance companies, uh, both in Sydney and Melbourne, 
And uh, that was really in the the early days where you know we, we started to fiddle around with some regression modeling and we started to do some you know some spatial smoothing and some mapping and just some of the early fraud detection and even some of those sorts of models and it was really the the, the statistics and and the uh, what was you know, data science machine learning that I, I really got into um, but I didn't really know how to code I didn't really know programming and that was my um, my weakness, and so I just worked on those skills, and um, you know, over time, uh, this this industry just just grew around me, and so ended up uh, working in uh, banking, building uh, credit risk models for for banks, um, and, and doing some consulting to a lot of the the lenders in Australia, uh, building their risk models, which were mainly sort of regression based models. Um, uh, over over many years, and um, then as well, working with some different startups, and uh, the natural thing was to then start my own uh, consulting business. And um, where where I fit in really is um, a lot of the companies they they'll have their their senior leaders, and and they'll have um, their staff. But uh, I kind of fit in as a as a technical manager there. And mm-hmm. so um, compared to someone like a, a Deloitte or a KPMG, um, the the rates I charge are very reasonable. And it's something that um, you know the, the companies that have uh, say 20, 50 people, and, and you know they're interested in AI, um, they they may not be able to afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those other guys, but where I come in is gotcha. Is so you found, you found your your niche. Yeah, yeah, it rolls off the tongue, but that took you know, a couple of years of yeah. Trying, yeah, and, and that's actually what I wanted to dig in. Like, first of all, you you totally skipped the exciting part about the two hour train ride and how you fell into data science. Yeah, you know, that uh, tell us a bit about that, and then I have another question for you. Yeah, that's right. So that's that actually does take me back. Like, um, you know, sometimes you, you you brush over the more painful parts of your life. <laughs> kind of keep them in the back of your memory there but um but yeah like i i had um i was pretty young and i had uh had my kids and so i um i was on the last part of my actuarial exams and i knew you know i knew that actuarial wasn't for me i, yeah. I just knew it wasn't um something that i was really passionate about and i think what is me- actuarial just for for the sake of those who might not be familiar with this uh, profession yeah, it's more about um, uh, predictive modeling and, and maths and stats for insurance companies, uh, really. So to predict um, some of their reserving, to be able to predict um, when claims are going to occur and how much they need to put aside. And, um, and some of that as well is around pricing of insurance products as well. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're kind of like the people that do the math and stats for insurance companies. Yeah, and, and I, what I like about actuarial um, is the whole... Like they deal with demographics and population statistics, and you know how long are people, um, you know, in this age group? How when what happens when they transition to retirement? Like there's a bit of this whole human or social component to it. I think that's that's pretty makes it a, a bit of a different profession than just pure plain statistics that you're just dealing with numbers and mathematical equations. That's right. Yeah, and there is a, a certain amount of uh, domain expertise that you have. To know in in any field like that, and especially um, in insurance, yeah, you, you need to uh, be down with some of those things, and even knowing about the different policy rules of the different insurance products as well. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. But uh, I mean, a lot of it as well. Um, even back in those days, I think it was a lot of spreadsheet work, mm-hmm. and so it almost felt at times like um, like glorified accounting. There's not <laughs> there's anything wrong with that, but you know, it was. Um, uh, I, I don't think it. it 
certainly has changed now where like there are uh, data science professionals attached to um, actual teams and they're doing some some really cool stuff but um for, for me at that time it wasn't something i was super passionate yeah. about so um you know each, each their own but um yeah so then i I was uh, moved over to, to banking and um, I, I did get really passionate about building um, risk models uh, for banking, which is, which is weird, but I, I really thought it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I had a, a pretty long commute uh, from on the train. It was, we're talking close to a couple hours each way, door to door each day. So yeah, four hours and you know, four hours where you're not around seeing your family and seeing your kids and everything. So I was stuck on the train and I thought, well, I can either go to sleep or I can use this time productively. And so there's probably about two to two and a half hours a day, which I had to study. And it was the early time of um, Coursera and they had some of the, the MOOCs out there. And I started learning um, uh, the R programming language and uh, did some of the um, courses uh, through uh, John Hopkins University, like Jeff Leake and, and those guys. Um, and also um, yeah, the machine learning course by Andrew Ang and uh, just mm-hmm. a few others. And I thought, wow, this is this is special. But I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I, I really had a passion for it. Mm-hmm. And so within a few years, like, yeah, I, I, I got a you know, phone call to um, you know, move to um, the Gold Coast and to, um, yeah, essentially the head of uh, data science for um for, for a startup there. And so the, the time from learning to something significant happening was pretty short. Like an Interesting. But yeah. like out of, out of curiosity, like you weren't actually, you know, people don't find you through learning unless you like put yourself out there. Did, uh, does this happen through your LinkedIn page? Did this happen through some, something that you share? Did this happen through a connection? How, how did that uh, phone call happen? Yeah, well, I, was, I wrote like a, a pretty early um, blog and it's just a, a recruiter happened to stumble upon it. And um, during the time, and I, I really think that uh, yeah, putting yourself out there, it is scary, but it's definitely something you need to do. And, and it's absolutely essential for my business um, to, to be out there because that's how people find me. I mean, you can knock on doors and you can try to say what you can do, but showing what you can do and having people come to you is usually a better equation and so um that's what happened they were they were looking for a um you know head of data science and they they looked for four years they, mm-hmm. then they couldn't find someone they wow. had pretty simple criteria they um wanted someone who could do the technical work and someone who could also talk a bit and it's really hard for them to find both and so it's extremely hard to hire um people um that you know can communicate as well as doing the, the work and so and they, they even tried as far away as you know the us and other places as well and so, so when the recruiter said, oh, there's a guy in Sydney that you might want to have a chat to. And then I had a plane ticket and off I was. And, and yeah, you're uh, on the Gold Coast now. It's a great place to live. Yeah, fantastic work. place. It's like it's yeah. a dream place. It's called the Gold Coast for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and where, where you're living, uh, where you are now, Southport, is where I, I was living as well. So, um, yeah, I, I would go for a surf um, before work and, and then go into the office. I'd skateboard into into the office. I'd oh, go by skateboard. Um, so, yeah, it's not very professional showing up with uh, a skateboard under the arm, but, you know, there you go. Yeah, but, uh, that's very cool. That's very cool. Um, yeah, actually, yesterday I uh, was walking on a on a bridge in, uh, like, in Gold Coast and, and this guy in, a, in kind of, like, not too formally addressed, but, like, in a shirt and, you know, looking smart on the skateboard, you know, it's probably 
probably your protege. <laughs> That's right. Taking yeah. up to work. My uh, my little brother is actually a, a lawyer, and um, and he actually works with my dad, who's also uh, a lawyer. And um, my dad was driving to work, and my brother's really keen on electric skateboards. Mm -hmm. and so he had uh, he's weaving in and out of traffic in an electric skateboard. Yeah. And my dad thought, oh, who's this idiot? Who's <laughs> weaving in and out of traffic? Oh, it's my son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Um, okay, gotcha. So that, that's a that's a great um, comment. So not not even before you. So like even before you started your business, I completely agree that when you have your own business, it's important to put yourself out there so people can find you and you know connect with you and know that you know you can help them out. But even before you started your business, putting yourself out there, writing that blog post was a important way to make a, like put your foot in the door and actually for that recruiter, it showed them that you're a person that can potentially communicate and maybe take on this role. So just for those listening out there, it's a, it's a great note to take, you know, like it never hurts. It's, it is scary to put yourself out there and uh, share some of your thoughts or learnings, but it never hurts. Like what, what harm can it do? It can only lead to good things, right? You, otherwise, you would have never gotten this phone call, never moved to the Gold Coast. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even, even for you, how, how did you get, get started? How did you, in a similar way, also putting yourself out? Because, I mean, for, for you, you were working for, um, you know, Deloitte and you, you were doing some, some consulting work. And then, and then I'm, just, I'm just curious about how you got, um, you know, in, into, into doing the courses. Good, and good how you, question. Here come the questions. Uh, <laughs> no, all good. Um, so for me, I worked at Deloitte for two years and uh, amazing company. Like, I couldn't recommend higher the professionalism and um, excite, excitement you experience when you're Deloitte different types of projects but if there comes a time when you like you know life changes or you feel that you you want to move to the next level and something else is exciting for you and for me that was after two years I felt that all right I've had enough of all of this like I've worked on probably a, couple, a dozen or more different industry projects learned so much I grew very fast and then I kind of like hit a ceiling in terms of my growth yeah. um, and I decided to, all right, I want to do something of my own. And from there, I started, you know, searching for different options. How can I, um, you know, start a business or how can I um, become, a, a, a make money in a passive way or how can I you know, help people do certain things that I'm passionate about and stuff like that. And one thing led to another. I started putting out courses on things I knew, and at the time I was, I re I knew really well uh, a lot about like the forex market and how it yeah. works and you know, financial instruments and stuff like that. So I started putting out courses on that topic. And again, like similar to you, because I started putting myself out there, I found this platform Udemy, which I found you know like long story through completely randomly through an ebook that I was uh, reading on, you know, about another instructor whose course I was taking. Anyway, I started putting out these courses and. They and that went well. It turned out that I'm pretty good at explaining things, complex things, in simple ways. And Udemy themselves reached out to me and said, "Hey, what else do you know?" And I said, yeah. "Data science." And they said, "Oh, let's put. How about you create some course on data science?" And that's that's how yeah. it all started. But similar to your story, had I not started, had I not like gone through that painful, fearful exercise of releasing my first course on, you know, writing. Um, algorithms for trading stocks, not stocks, uh, currencies. If you listen to that course now, you can hear like how shy and how timid <laughs> I am. I'm like nervous, almost like, you know, panicking on the microphone. 
But had I not done that, had I not pushed myself through that experience, um, then that would have never led to that, as you say, phone call. For me, it was an email from you to me saying, hey, man, let's, let's do some more stuff. And, and, and from there, like, turns out that data science is something that people need. And you know, yeah, sure. like, lots of people have, since then, been able to learn from the courses that I've created. I'm, I'm really excited mostly about that part, that that's, that's where it all led. Yeah, I think as well for, with what you guys are doing now, you've got the, um, the super data science platform, the, the 2.0 that you're, you're kind of doing. And, and so that's access to like all your courses. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, and, and for what is, I think, a pretty normal, normal figure, about like 150 bucks a year as well. So it almost feels like you're graduating again from, from, from Udemy in, in a way. Yeah, yeah. You guys are doing something pretty exciting there. Yeah, too. You, you always got to grow and develop, right? You always got to, like I, I find in life, every new experience is kind of like a step and then you learn and you're like, okay, cool, that's great. But as soon as you feel there's something more, some, some new way you can go, that, that's really cool. And hence, uh, thanks for you know, mentioning the Super Data Science 2.0, which we, we just launched. Very, yeah. very excited about that. By the way, I wanted to ask you, how did you find out about uh, Super Data Science and the things that we do? Oh, no, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, through LinkedIn. LinkedIn's actually a really good way to... Um, so for me, I'm quite isolated here. There's there's no data scientists around. It's really just just me in the in the area. And so I probably have to drive down the roads where you are to find someone else to talk to. But <laughs> with uh, with you know social media, with LinkedIn, with even Twitter, with those sorts of things, you can really be connected to the industry wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And so just keep me tabs on what's happening. And uh, you know, I've I've done a couple of your courses as well, and I really love them as well. Thank you. And um, the, um, in particular, the, uh, the deep learning, the AI course as well, where you, um, which I, one? Think, I think we have almost, five of them. You're going to put me on the spot. I don't even remember what, what it's uh, called. The one with uh, Hadlin and he does, um, uh, he does, I don't forget what it's called, deep learning or AI or something is it, like that. Is it the recent one? Is it AI, artificial intelligence A to Z or is it AI for oh, business? It's, Z, it's an A to Z one. A to Z. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, the fundamental right. one. Cool. But um, what I liked about even those courses as well is that some of the, um, if you're looking at YouTube um, tutorials, you're kind of like passively coding um, and you just kind of look up and you code some more, look up and code some more. Yeah. But with um, what you and uh, Haven did is you're like, okay, here are these papers, go up and read some of these papers or yeah. here's something else. And it's kind of like, it's putting the ball back in the court of the uh, of the student to, yeah. to take responsibility for their own learning as well. And you're kind of acting more as a guide rather than just telling them, hey, do this, hey, do that. So yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. And, and some of the way the other courses are going as well, that's, more on that style. That's awesome. Awesome. And, and what we, um, I, I, I don't want to make this podcast a, a promotion of Super Data Science 2.0, but I think it's important to mention that yeah, what we aim to do with this new platform, and that's why we've been developing it for two years, actually, is that, wow. yeah, it's been a while, but the main thing here is, and some, some, it's constantly in development, constantly improving it, but one of the things that we're releasing very soon is a gamification component, where not only you take a course and as you said you have exercises or you have you know papers to read and things like that but actually as you progress through a course you get you know certain badges that unlock achievements you know get points and um yes. like that's that's element even though it might style sound very you know childish or not for adults and things like that but actually it it is very cool to see your own progress and feel like oh that's awesome you know like I, I unlocked this level in my education. And the goal of that is uh, not to turn it into a game, but to actually help 
people get into it, you know, motivate. Like how many times have, I've done this plenty of times when I sign up for a course and I don't actually, you know, I take it one tutorial or, or you know, I don't even look at it or anything like that. So, but if somebody helped me get into it, somebody helped me like get started and get momentum and I realize how powerful this is for my career and for my personal growth, then I would get in, continue going. And so that's one of our main missions now is how to actually help people select the right career paths and courses for those career paths, but then actually motivate and inspire people to keep with the education, keep stick to it and hold themselves accountable to it. Yeah, and I think as well for anyone that's um, anyone that's listening, and if they are taking some responsibility for their own education, if they are trying to learn new things, like immediately that puts them in the top small percentage of people out mm-hmm. there. It's like yeah. most, most people, and, and I, you know, I've, I've known this from managing teams and uh, that sort of thing, that a very small percentage of people, whether they're software developers or data scientists, um, will learn like outside the job they, they tend to you know a lot of people just their learning is their nine-to-five job and they don't want to do anything outside so if someone is actually taking that initiative to sign up for courses and to do it they're already ahead of like the game and so um and that's the thing as well when um when I used to hire people it's just uh, is this person as as passionate as as I am, and actually, I was working. I'm working with a guy over in uh, London, um, a really nice fellow, actually, uh, Martin Paver, and uh, mm-hmm. his his company is called uh, Projecting Success, and uh, it's a, a startup. But he's applying um, AI and machine learning to project management data analytics. So really quite exciting, really quite you know, changing the project management space. But um, speaking with him a little while ago, and he he said words to the same effect that when he's looking at hiring people, whether interns or more senior people. He's looking for evidence of that passion. And so he's looking for, um, you know, you could get someone and they could have spent like 100,000 US dollars on their education, which is fine. Um, but, you know, it's really, are they going to hackathons? Are they looking at uh, MOOCs and doing online courses? What's the evidence that I can see that this person is is passionate about the field? And um, so for me as well, if they even if they don't have a, a high school education, that, that's kind of irrelevant if they're super passionate about the field because anyone with that passion and that drive and if you guys are helping them to get that passion and drive and keep them on track like anyone can do this stuff mm. and they've just got to be pumped about it yeah yeah totally agree that's uh that's very valuable and for those who were at uh, data science go uh last year uh ben taylor actually talked about that you know that people want to hire or uh, companies want to hire people who are somewhere between passion and obsession about a topic like you got to be passionate or even maybe obsessed to a certain extent uh and then it's a no-brainer people will want you or companies will want you on their teams yeah. all right so that's a, a quick <laughs> digression there yes, uh, side route uh i wanted to rewind back and this is the second question i wanted to ask you so you told us about you know the train ride and how you um, put that to use, which I think is very inspiring. Tell us the the other thing that you said was it was a natural step to start my own business. Like it might seem natural for you looking back, but trust me, it's not re- it's not a natural step to start your own business. Like the way I remember it, it was a lot of um, you know trial and error, a lot of fear, a lot of how how do how I do this? Will I succeed? Will I not? So how did that all happen? Like you moved to the Gold Coast, you were working there. Walk us through how you went from that point in your life to actually becoming a uh, consultant and working for yourself, working remotely. 
Well, again, uh, well, I kind of love this. Oh, I guess you need to know the, the history. So my um, my wife's mother moved to this area in Bundaberg um, like 18 years ago. So I've been holidaying here for a long time. I always thought this was a nice place to retire and eventually die. Um, and so I, I thought, you know, if my ashes would be scattered, you know, on that beach or something, it'd be nice. But um, so I was uh, long-term planning. Long-term planning, yes. <laughs> it was always going to be here. Um, but you know, so we've been holidaying here for a fair bit, and we really like the area, and it's nice. And in, in terms of weather, it's the same as Hawaii, like all year round. It's just awesome. And so, um, and yeah, people here are very friendly and, and really nice. And um, I was, so I was working for that company on the uh, on the Gold Coast, and. I was you know, managing a, a team that was based in Kiev and also, also got to go to Kiev, which is a lovely place in mm. Ukraine. That was, that was fantastic. And um, also a team on the, the Gold Coast as well and uh, just pushing a bit hard because there was um, you know, a fair bit of pressure in, in that, that job, I, I will say, mm -hmm. and you know, responsible for a, a lot of uh, people. And um, so... At, at the expense, I didn't get the balance right. You know, I didn't get the balance between family and and work and life right. So um, it was um, not great. So I didn't see my kids all that much, and I was almost like going back to when I was, uh, you know, catching that train and commuting long hours to to mm -hmm. Sydney. So I thought, well, something has to has to change here. And um, because you know, my my kids, um, and it's actually probably an important point for people as well. Uh, you know, your, your colleagues and stuff are, are, are good, and, and you know, you should be nice to your to your colleagues. But really, your family and your kids are, are, are critical because, you know, in five years' time, they may or may not, um, you know, your colleagues may or may not remember you. But in eighty years' time, your kids will. And so, it's really important to get that balance between family and work right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, my wife, um, we were camping, and uh, we went camping in the in the middle of nowhere about three hours west in, in the middle of um, uh, Australia. And uh, then she just said, right, we're, uh, we're moving here because I was, I was relaxed. We're looking at the campfire. And um, she said, right, we're going, to, uh, we're going to live in Bundaberg. And I said, well, there's no work there. And she said, well, tough, you'll find some. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was it. Uh, and so she picked a house that she liked. She bought it and that was it. Um, so, um, yeah, I kind of had to. Uh, and that was pretty good motivation as well. Um, mm. And I'd always managed teams and always liked um, mentoring uh, junior data scientists. And um, it was a natural thing to be able to manage up as well as manage down to the, um, some of the junior data scientists and something I really enjoy. In the, in the same way, I enjoy um, taking some of the, the, the kids around here for basketball and coaching them. And you know, within two years, some of them are playing representative basketball. And I think, wow, that's kind of cool to see. So I've, I've always liked that. I've always liked uh, taking someone who's fairly green or novice and uh, being able to help them out on their path, whether it's basketball or you know, surfing or, or even data science. Uh, so it, it seemed like a pretty natural thing to do. And, Quite uh, right. Yeah. Oh, I got you. So inter very interesting and very, like, uh, I guess, it's a overnight kind of transition almost and uh, it would have been challenging but at the same time exciting to make it all work tell us a bit about remote work so you know you moved to Bundaberg how do you find your clients or how did you find your clients at the start how did you you know like make set up this whole system for yourself where you on one hand are relaxed and at home uh, but at the same time you do have a stream of work coming in yeah i mean i was 
Oh, I was, you know, getting paid pretty well when I was working um, in the city. So I did have a bit of um, runway, which I could rely on for, for a while. So there wasn't that immediate pressure to find the next um, dollar. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and also not having, a, you know, like a, a mortgage or anything like that. Um, you can live pretty cheap here. And we've got a, a fairly big block of land. So, we've got, you know, seven chickens and grow around fruit and vegetables. So my expenses really are quite minimal. <laughs> so, okay, that's fair. so I didn't really need much money, to be honest. It was only just... Um, yeah, my, my expenses are pretty low. So I, I could have kept going for a fair, fair while. Uh, but uh, what, I, what I was doing actually before then uh, was just writing because uh, I was um, – well, to start off with, there was a, um, a little startup company in, in Melbourne that I was, I was working for. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was good uh, off the bat. And um, I just started writing about uh, some of the things which I wish I'd learned uh, when I was learning data science or some of the things I was seeing or just some of the thoughts because I was, if you can picture, I'm in a little room by myself writing code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's uh, a little bit isolating, but um, yeah, LinkedIn as well has really helped to, um, to build that, uh, that community. And so, so yeah, uh, eventually people started approaching me for different um, ad hoc tasks and some for even uh, longer engagements, and so I, you know, typically might do um, a few hours here, a few hours there for different people. And um, there's actually a, a really great um, AI consulting uh, company that's based in Brisbane uh, called uh, Blackbook AI, AI. Mm-hmm. and uh, Toy Lamb. Uh, he's, uh, you know, I mean, he's a friend. He's, he's a really nice guy, but uh, he. Uh, yeah, reached out to me, and uh, so I, he'll he'll just book a plane ticket for me and say, "Hey, Nick, we need you this day," and I'll be flying to mm-hmm. Brisbane. And so, um, yeah, working with them is uh, is wonderful, and they've got a great mix of um, junior and senior people. And so, being able to mentor and uh, and help out those guys is just awesome. Uh, and oh, so, okay, gotcha. And, and so that's the. Uh, and then also to help them on projects uh, where they need it and um, you know, a combination of um, meeting clients and also doing some of the dev work as well and data science work is kind of cool. And so um, it really is a mixed bag of stuff that I, that I do and it keeps it really interesting. Very cool. Okay, I see. So you, you not only do the data science work, but you actually help them build teams, help them get their staff on track and consult the executives and things like that. So I think that's that's a very exciting space to be in, especially now with the boom in data science and artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I'm pretty um, picky about the, the the people I I, I work with, and so um, I think you you have to be and you have to be in it for that long term relationship, and yeah. so. Those, those two places that I, I mentioned, um, uh, projecting success over in London and um, Blackbook AI in Brisbane, just great bunches, great great people, just great people to work with. And so, um, yeah, you, you do have to be selective and, and kind of in it for the long term. Um, it's also a bit more of a, a pipeline and there's some really cool people that I've met in Melbourne last week and uh, also on, on the Gold Coast as well, there's another little startup company. And so some of these things still in the pipeline, but um, yeah, they seem like really good people as well. So it's, uh, it's cool. It's excellent working with great people. Awesome, awesome. So tell us a bit about the projects. You mentioned that you've been doing quite a lot of different, um, working on a lot of different projects, different companies. Are there any case studies that you can share with us of recent work that you've done without you know, disclosing clients and just disclosing a sensitive information just for the sake of maybe what kind of tools you did or used or what kind of changes you help the clients implement in terms of their staffing, in terms of their strategy, and whatever else that you were working on recently? Yeah, I think the, um, the one that's um, really quite, there's, there's a few, and obviously I'm going to need to be careful about it. Yeah. 
about about talking about them too much. But um, what I think is really quite incredible um, that Projecting Success uh, over in, in London are trying to do is essentially they're trying to build a um, a credit bureau, something like a credit bureau, but for um, project management. Because what they've seen is there's um, a whole heap of different companies and different industries are, are doing uh, different projects and they're not necessarily learning lessons from those projects. So they're repeating the same mistakes. Yeah. So what you've got is a whole bunch of spreadsheets and emails and Word documents to manage projects. And so they're about digitizing that um, information and storing it in databases and eventually all companies pooling their data assets in collectively to be able to, um, like, so say I'm an agriculture um, company and I'm doing like an IT infrastructure change. Well, maybe I can learn some lessons from another um, infrastructure, IT infrastructure change by um, some other com com uh, company maybe um, doing manufacturing or doing something different, but it's still an IT project. And so um, what they're uh, looking at doing is, is building like some uh, really pretty cool uh, graph databases um, to collect that information yeah. and to work out optimal paths and that sort of thing for um, for, for projects to um, to uh, keep them on track and, and to minimise spend and to minimise the, the chance that they're going to run over time and over budget, which is a really inspiring kind of thing. So they, they just want to completely change that project management space, which mm. is a cool thing to be a part of. Very cool. And, and so what, what's your role in all of that? So uh, for me as well, I'm helping out with... Um, well, they have a combination of interns and they, they do some and they have also like a CTO who I help out as well and um, even uh, Martin, who's the founder, just uh, helping him with strategy and advice as well. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's everything from um, meetings with um, web developer and seeing um, different states of progress of the, uh, the applications through to, um, yeah, just different strategy and advice. And, Interesting. Uh, so, so you're not in that specific project, you're not doing any data science work per se you're not bring, bringing to life any models running any logistic or whatever types of regressions doing data, data clean you're actually acting as a data strategy consultant or um, helping them understand how data can be used and applied in the tools that they're creating is that about right yeah, for that that project, I mean, they do other things as well, where they've got like a really good, you know, when um, you know, companies may try for um, like a tender to tender mm -hmm. for a bit, bit of work. They've got a um, a tool which um, is again like a fairly sophisticated machine learning model, which um, predicts the chance that some uh, someone's going to win and how much. Yeah. Uh, and what position they're going to get in that particular um, the bid. So, um, and that's more sort of hands-on uh, stuff that I've, yeah. I've, I've done. So, uh, again, it's a, it's a mixed bag of different work. Um, okay, gotcha. And, yeah, and then even with uh, BlackBook, even uh, you know, as yesterday, actually, I was, uh, you know, had to, on the tools and uh, just, uh, again, a bit of a, a Python script that they're going to um, yeah, just plug into um, into production for for a tool that they're creating. So again, I keep it. It varies. It's good having the variant. Yeah, it's good seeing different things. It means that um, you're always learning as well. And so there's the, the imposter syndrome is very real. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people will often ask some some of the junior. Uh, data scientists will say, oh, I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, no, just Google it. That's what I do. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. And I mean, you, you probably found that as well when you started as well. You, you're sort of thinking, um, oh, do I know enough? Am I, am, I, am I good enough? And all that sort of thing. Yeah. Too. I heard uh, recently that this question, am I good enough or that I'm not good enough, is the most 
frequently asked question in the world. Like people <laughs> ask themselves, you know, like, and that's the cause of the most misery in the world as well, that people think they're not good enough and therefore they go into, you know, spiral into depression or they don't go for opportunities they think are were that that actually could change their lives or they don't go up to the person, the, the love of their life to, you know, to meet the person in, that might become the love of their life and things like that. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I've asked that question a million times, man. For sure. Yes. For sure. I was, was going to ask as well, um, just one of my questions. I'm going to yeah. shoot a question to you now. What, what do you do for fun? Like, I mean, I, I, I do a, a combination of basketball and surfing and skateboarding. What, what do you do for fun? Do you, um, do you have something that you... Uh... Oh, man, good question. Um, I, I, like, I like sports. I, I noticed this about myself that we are talking about with one of my colleagues at work recently and um he likes um what are they called like going to a museum and looking at painting and things so (laughs) something more kind of um for the soul i like those things as well i like listening to classical music concert or going to a museum but if i had the choice i always go for experiences i go for like like recently like last Last week I went rafting and with my dad, who's also um, in uh, you know in his sixties, he's sixty six. We went rafting in New Zealand and we dropped down oh, cool. a six meter waterfall. That was really oh, cool. You know, um, I like scuba diving. Like yesterday, not yesterday, Monday this week, I went uh, for a scuba dive in in Byron Bay. In, uh, in oh, yeah, like one of my top five scuba dives ever. So like wow. I man, like you know, what I saw I saw a bird underwater. What? What's I saw a bird underwater. It's like the last thing you expect to see. It's like one of those birds. You know how when you see a bird from the surface and then it ducks to go do oh, something? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you never know what they're doing. I actually saw it doing its thing. It's like swimming around. Like it was like 40 seconds underwater. Went to this rock, looked under that rock, and then chased this fish, went back up, got some air, came back down. Ridiculous, man. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I, that's something I mean to do is, is go scuba diving because even on my street, uh, there's a world-class dive site that you can go scuba diving. I haven't been there. I've been here two years. I still haven't gone man, there. Man, you almost... should totally do it. It's like a whole different world under the, the surface of the ocean. Yeah. It's a, the, I mean, you've probably done the, the scuba diving course. or, or Yeah, yeah, or yeah. You got you to, gotta, like, if you want to dive by yourself, you got to do the paddy or some other certification, like the open water advanced you know other levels that you might want but it's it's fun like i like experiences basically uh, i like sports as well um uh, but um something new something where that's physically challenging and that you you feel engaged in and then after that you're like wow that was so cool those those types of things well what, what sports do you play um oh good question <laughs> this is a get to know carol podcast no, this, sorry i'm just i'm just yeah, um, no. sports well what do I play right now? Hold on. There was something something that I did like. Oh, I was doing jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu recently. But before oh. that, I I really like taekwondo. I did taekwondo for nine years. So it's like martial arts mostly. And um, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, the challenge, the adrenaline that you get. Um, and yeah, and like the whole concept of getting better and learning new techniques. Yeah, so... I would say martial arts. 
Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's something both my, my daughters uh, do as well as Taekwondo. And um, my wife actually, um, yeah, represent the state in Shotokan. So, um, yeah, wow. they're pretty, Yeah, I, I can't do anything. Oh, wow, man. I, I play <laughs> um, yeah, everyone, everyone in my house can beat me up. So oh, it's, it's, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, that's, that's so cool. I heard Shotokan. It's, that's karate, right? Yeah, it's a karate. It's pretty, yeah, so. pretty brutal type of karate. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. She can defend herself pretty well. Okay. <laughs> Awesome, man. All right. Well, let's let's uh, jump back in. What what were we talking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cut you off track. <laughs> all good, all good. Uh, we're talking about um, how yeah, how oh, this is what I was gonna say. You wrote, I and I really like this comment that you made uh, in the notes for this. Um, you know, when we in the discussions for this podcast was that you think data science leaders should remain on the tools maybe floating in between projects as needed. And yeah. that is, oh, and then, the, and then you continued, if you take your best data scientists and make them a manager, you probably end up upsetting them if they don't have real work to do. And it sounds like that's, that's what you're doing. So you're, you're floating between helping companies with their strategies and tactics around data what what they can do and mentoring people but at the same time you're not losing your grip on the actual data like applied data science where you get to code things in python or r and and create things and regression models and whatnot and yeah yeah what, what what are your what are your suggestions in in general to people like how how do you maintain that balance of the two yeah i think uh, well I think when I'm looking back in retrospect, um, when I was in, in charge of a fairly big team and a lot of what I did was, you know, meetings and admin and approving sick leave and all that sort of stuff. And um, that's, I don't know, I, I guess I, I kind of like you, you really enjoy the work. If you are passionate about it, you do love the work and anything that's going to take you further away from that work um, completely it isn't great, you know. And so you, I think as well, it is sometimes, um, a lot of people, they seem to want to become a manager just because it means more money. And I think that's the wrong way to reward people because, you know, a highly skilled technical person, I feel, should get paid just as much as like a, you know, a manager because mm. this is something they've invested in. They've invested in themselves. And um, so I, for me as well, to be able to relate to what um, you know a, a starting data scientist is is doing, it's, it's really important to to keep on the tools and even in my, my spare time to be looking at what's um, what's coming up and what's out there. And actually, actually, that's something for for you as well. Just to how how do you keep up with the industry? Because it seems to be like it is just. It's hard work just keeping mm, up with what's, yeah. that's what's coming up there. But I think as well, if you're on the tools, you've got a better chance of doing that. Yeah, man, totally, totally agree. But for me, like, I have the luxury of, um, like, the, the, the content that I create, the courses, like, I have to, it's still related to the technical stuff. If anything, I might not, like, I'm not getting enough, like, practical applications of data science, you know, like, solving industry problems with existing data science tool. But if anything, I'm... Like when Catalana and I are creating courses, we're pushing the boundaries of data science. Oh, we're, yeah, we're looking at right. the most advanced tools. But I agree no, with you. Like I would love to, to be yeah, able right. to do more of the, uh, like, you know, the more commonly accepted Python or R models that currently dominate the, the world uh, rather than just only focusing on the ones that are 
on the fringe that will become the dominating ones in a year or two. But you know, yeah. like as you said, there's always there's always you can't have everything, right? You, you gotta you gotta balance it out. No, I met with you. Obviously, you, you, your courses you're, you're quite technical, but I mean, there's just so much technical content that's coming out. It's really hard to keep up. But I mean, you, you guys are, are massively on the tools, and um, and yeah, the way you decompose quite important uh, and, and difficult concepts down for people shows that you are really uh, on the tools and you're really into the nitty gritty of the content, which is incredible. But just the amount of stuff that's coming out, I think. Um, it is kind of good for me to be across, you know, different teams and different cities doing different things to be able to see some of the commonality between what people are, are working on, what they're, they're concerned uh, with. And even just um, for some reason right now, there's a whole heap of natural language processing tasks that are, that, are, that are happening all over the place. And that wasn't the case even a couple of years ago. So it is kind of um, good to see that. But then there's so many libraries and, and the tooling for data science is just getting better and better all the time. So it's it's often um, a question of working out what's, what's out there. And um, even just yesterday, I was um, working on trying to find a way to detect um, emotion from from text, whether wow. someone's angry, angry, upset, disappointed, whatever. And um, I was thinking, how, how do you do that? Is there some uh, you know, machine learning API from Google or you know, Azure or something? And you know, all of a sudden, there's this little hard library that, that would do it. You just think far out. Like, I, you know, it's, it's hard to know. It's hard to you know, pretty much have to read the internet sometimes to, <laughs> to yeah. find out all these different things that are out there. But there's a lot out there. And so it's almost a job just keeping up, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally agree. I, I actually read your post on uh, LinkedIn about uh, natural language processing. And it's interesting how you're like uh, talking, you mentioned that a lot of companies still talk about structured data, but around 80 to 90% of the world's data is in unstructured format. And I agree with you, like it's, it's, there's so much media, there's so much video, there's so much audio, there's so much, um, like people writing stuff like text blog posts you know how often do we actually deal with structured data as humans not not that often not compared to how much unstructured like we're talking right now people listening to this podcast that's all unstructured data so it's important for data scientists to know how to process things like natural language yeah even in um applications like um like so sort of credit risk or lending um I, I find it. I used to find it extraordinary that uh, a lot of the banks and lenders were sitting on uh, transactional data from bank statements, and they didn't um, incorporate those into the credit risk models. Mm -hmm. And so that that's a goldmine data set, and that's something that um, I, I did when I was I was working for the um, startup company on the on the Gold Coast was building natural language processing mm -hmm. uh, for bank statement data, which was incredible incredibly rich data source for um, for lending um, interesting very interesting tell us a bit more yeah. about that what's like you obviously have a lot of experience with natural language processing what what would be your some some of your tips or maybe some of the tools that you use and maybe some of the mistakes that you've made that uh, you can help other people avoid yeah plenty of mistakes um, <laughs> so, so but I, I think as well there's uh, often People will try to not just with natural language processing, but with with any kind of task. Um, if you you, you know you, you saw um, video of me before before we started, um, and, you know I've got you can tell by my haircut and my and my, my t-shirt that I'm a pretty simple guy. And so I usually like to start very very simply. 
And so in a natural language processing uh, task, it, it is about cleaning the corpus. It is about, you know, making everything just the basics, everything lowercase, you know, stop words, um, looking at the frequently occurring words, looking at infrequently occurring words, you know, stripping out uh, any numerics and just cleaning the corpus and then really eyeballing the data and even just um, some of the plots, some of the word clouds and some of the things can give you insight into what you're going to be um, looking at as well. Mm-hmm. And so initially when I start, I'll, I'll go for a pretty simple like uh, bigram or trigram, um, well, which is just two and three word um, features of words just to create greater uh, context. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking um, bigrams, you might have, say, um, well, you know, there used to be that coffee shop. Uh, this is the example I give uh, called Gloria Jeans. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking at unigrams or single words, then you'd uh, anytime you'd hit jeans, you'd go off to fashion. Whereas oh. Gloria Jeans is a is a coffee coffee shop. Gloria Jeans. So having those two words as a feature in the model is going to be important to give you that context and um, and even three words sometimes mm-hmm. for different company names or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so um, then I would honestly just try with a simple um, regression model, like so something like a multi-class you know, logistic regression model would be the very first thing that I'd try would be the very simplest thing mm-hmm. and um, to see how that goes. And then if anything, that forms a baseline that you can then use to improve with better models. And so uh, and in anything I do, I'll always start off with a fairly simple baseline and then iterate and develop on that. But getting the end-to-end pipeline and getting something going is more important than getting something optimal and you would have seen as well and uh, this thing we if you are working on a machine learning task you might be able to get 80 percent of uh, accuracy you know within a mm-hmm. week or two but you know to get 85 percent may take you months mm-hmm. or it be possible mm-hmm. so so yeah i'm a big fan on um, building something simple end-to-end and then iterating on that mm-hmm. yeah that's very cool um get 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 going and then improve 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 rather than just have like the end ideal scenario in mind and try to strive for that forever and never get yeah that's right working. you never really learn until um uh, systems in production and then you probably want to slowly uh get it into production as well so you know test it out and on a couple percent of your of your population make sure it's doing the right thing set up monitoring for that to happen as well and then uh yeah slowly get more and more uh, percentage of it uh, mm-hmm. on top automated and then just kind of going from there so uh, yeah seeing, seeing the way that uh, your portfolio responds to the model and is kind of important as well some of them uh, as well i mean you can you, you can go for um something more complicated like a random forest you can even try some of the deep learning methods but um to to me as well i i know i i, I tend to try the simple and if that's if that's good enough I, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stick with it um but yeah, generally, generally speaking, it it is. Yeah, often the big thing as well is um, with natural language processing for an application like that. There's even some you know, very simple things that you can do by having just even a, a keyword lookup for some of the the fields that you know are going to to be there as well. So it's a combination of a few of the things as well, attacking it from a few angles as well. So that's a bit of a trick as well. Okay. So if you know, for instance, from a bank statement that there's a certain company that always goes to, you know, like in Australia, Woolworths, for instance, um, uh, maybe that's not, not a good one because we've got Woolworths Petrol, but that's, let's assume that we don't have Woolworths Petrol. That's where the bigrams come in. But if we just have Woolworths, the shopping center, then, sorry, the um, supermarket, then we always uh, know that that's going to map to groceries. And mm-hmm. so you have a keyword for that. So that's uh, yeah, a combination of simple approaches, I think, is, is often good. 
Okay, very very cool. Um, all right, so natural language processing um, is a really cool thing to learn. Actually, I was using my brother has this thing. Um, it's called Google Home. Have you used it before? Oh. Yeah, um, I stayed at uh, my friend's place actually in Brisbane and he was turning lights on and off using Google Home. It yeah, very- <laughs> it's crazy. It's like you can switch, you're going to play something on your TV, you can switch the music on. Uh, it's just like such a convenient tool. And I find it's actually, by the way, not affiliated with Google or anything, but I find Google Home is better than Alexa from Amazon. Like I've used both. And yep. somehow Google Home just like catches all the things you say, like 90% of the things you say. Very, very cool. So it's coming into our lives and um, great, great um, advice for anybody out there to start learning natural language processing. As scary as it might be, it is going to be more and more widespread and experts in that field are going to be needed more and more as well, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, natural language processing is going to be good. But I think as well, there's going to be some um, pretty cool things happening with, um, as you say, like um, audio and computer, and computer vision as well. Um, and so I'm, I'm starting to see some more of those projects coming through as well, where, um, you know, people are looking at plans, plans for houses and trying to work out how to, you know, work out cost of buildings and all sorts of cool things like that. Gotcha. Okay. Um so we're coming slowly to the end of podcast. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, <laughs> with you, you mentioned you like mentoring and helping people progress, whether it's in uh, basketball, it's in their uh, professional lives and data science and so on. What would your one biggest piece of advice be for someone who is um, starting out into the field of data science and um, they might have prior experience in other areas, might maybe not, but like they're quite new to the space of data science. What would you say to them? What would your one biggest piece of advice for them be to help them become successful? I think uh, to me as well, like I, I think I was pretty late um, picking up um, like weightlifting. So I, go, I do gym three times a, a week and um, I've only done, really started that for um, about two years. And when you're so doing it, um, when you first first start, you are uh, it's extremely painful. Like I was I was walking like Robocop today <laughs> and it was agony. And all I was doing was hurting myself and I didn't see results and I didn't wasn't getting any stronger and you know, it was just and yeah, you, you sort of keep it up and you keep it consistent and it's three days a week and you and you keep it and you lock yourself into this routine, you keep doing it. And then over time you start to slowly see results mm-hmm. and it starts to slowly get easier and then you're starting to uh, be able to do um, more and more. And so um, that's a great analogy as well for, for learning uh, data science. It really does, initially it's painful, um, but if you stick with it and if you do set up a, a schedule, like you will you will have success over time and you will look back on a year and think, wow, I know all this stuff. Um, but uh, when, you, when you're sort of in the, in the hurt locker doing it, it, it doesn't really feel like it's much fun <laughs> at, mm-hmm. at times. Uh, but that's all I'd say is consistency is the key and um, just making sure that you, you just keep going with it and um, looking for, again, um, whatever's out there that can help you and, and what you guys uh, charge for um, what is really a quality education. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't go to a, a university and get the education that you guys are charging for a couple bucks. Like it's just incredible. And so there's, um, 
there's some great resources out there. And so, um, yeah, speak to people, find out what you need to know and, and get out there and, and do it. Fantastic. Thank you. Very good uh, met metaphor. Totally loved it with the gym. And yeah, I totally agree. Consistency is key. All right. Yeah. So um, before, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show and helping us you know, see this whole world of um, data science, for, uh, working remotely and uh, being a consultant to other companies and combining uh, the technical side of things and the data science advice and strategy side of things. Um, before, though, I let you go, I would like to uh, make sure that our listeners can get in touch. What are the best places to find you, connect with you, and maybe follow your career? Yeah, definitely um, LinkedIn. Um, it's probably a, a, the, the place to go. I, um, I'd say, yeah, just connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Awesome. Okay, cool. So we'll share uh, Nick's LinkedIn in the show notes. And I have one final question for you, Nick. Um, yeah. What is a book that you can recommend to our listeners to help them succeed in their careers? Uh, no, I, there's a, a book that um, I have here that is uh, really quite, quite good. Um, it's the, the Structure and Interpretation of uh, Computer uh, Programs, and it's, it teaches you how to code uh, through uh, Scheme. And uh, it's more about... Um, uh, methodology and understanding problems and decomposing problems into subproblems, and it's actually it's a good book, but it's a bit heavy. Mm -hmm. But what I've discovered fairly recently is a book uh, called How to Design Programs that mm -hmm. also uses Beam as a teaching language. Mm -hmm. And I think for someone starting out, because I think a lot of people go down the path of learning a language and not necessarily have a solved problem. Mm -hmm. And this book is a bit different, and it also has supporting software as well, uh, Dr. Racket, that um, can uh, that helps you out to um, build these programs and schemes. So I'm I'm a real fan of that book, and I reckon uh, that learning the methodology as opposed to a language could be good for someone starting out. And I wish I had seen that book um, earlier. So um, yeah, hopefully if someone finds that uh, interesting. Uh, That's cool. So what's it called again? How to how to design programs, um, huh. and it's uh, I can I'll probably I'll send you a link uh, for it. But okay. uh, yeah, it's got uh, uh, supporting software. You can write your own little programs in uh, Scheme. It's it's a, a functional programming type okay. uh, language, you. and uh, it's it's cool. It, it actually sort of teaches you how to break apart uh, somewhat is like a complex problem into little parts and be able to code little functions. And it's um yeah, it, I'm I'm just starting it now, but it's really quite cool. Okay, cool. So we'll share that in the show notes. Um, yeah. And on that note, once again, thank you so much, Nick, for coming to the show. It's been a great pleasure uh, chatting with you. And yeah, I hope to catch up sometime soon. Otherwise, good luck with all your projects that are in your pipeline. Oh, likewise, Kirill. Absolute uh, pleasure. And, and, and thanks so much. Uh, it's, been, it's been wonderful uh, chatting to you. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Nick Ryan, a data science consultant from Bundaberg, Australia. My personal favorite part of this podcast was the whole combination of the two things that Nick did. I didn't realize this before the podcast, but it's really cool to see that on one hand, he does technical projects and helps companies actually with the code and the modeling side of things. And on the other hand, he has a space in his... A career where he goes into companies and helps them with their data strategy, how they can apply data in projects, uh, and also mentors their employees and staff 
I think that's a really cool way to combine those two aspects in uh, a career and maybe that will be helpful to some of our listeners as well. And as usual, you can get all the show notes for this episode at www.superdayascience.com slash 235. That's superdayascience.com slash 235. All of the things that we mentioned on this podcast will be there, including a URL to Nick's LinkedIn. Make sure to hit him up and connect with him there as well. On that note, thank you so much for being here today. I look forward to seeing you back here next time. And until then, happy analyzing.